Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the last sermon of the decade. The last sermon of 2019. Now, it can put some undue pressure on a preacher because, you know, you want to finish on a bit of a high. You don't want to have a dodgy sermon for the last one of 2019, of the 20-teens. So I thought to myself, what is this one thing, this one key message that perhaps can encapsulate this decade and look forward into the next decade? And I thought I would just keep it pretty simple with this, these three words, stay a while. There it is. Just stay a while. These words sort of came to me as I was, I think, going from one deadline to another. I've had a lot of deadlines this year, probably more than ever before in terms of deliverables, things that you have to produce as a part of your role or as a part of my role, plus a million and one other things, juggling balls. And it's been busy. It's been most of the time a good busyness, but no doubt in my mind at all, it's been this jump from this thing straight into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Just, I mean, I counted up the emails that I've produced over a year. It was one and a half million words sent and one and a half million words received who wants to be a safety manager (laughs) that was just emails and won't even tell you about all the other reports and stuff so these words stay a while i just want them to kind of sit i'm not going to explain them too much but later on i want to come back to them and it'll be stay a while in the morning stay a while in the moment and stay a while in the madness three m's triple m Triple M. Stay a while in the morning, stay a while in the moment, and stay a while in the madness. Can you remember them? Morning, moment, madness. Thank you, Nicole. (laughs) Morning, moment, and madness. So it's the 29th of December, 2019. If we look back to the 29th of December, 2009, to your younger selves, what is the one thing, if you could tell them just one thing, it's just one thing, it's just a quick quantum burst, quantum entanglement burst. Anyway, not many people, sci-fi fans, obviously. You've got one little burst of data, one sentence, one thing. What is the one thing you would tell your younger self? Rest, rest? okay. One thing is necessary. Rest, what do you mean rest? Like um, Sleep more? Or? No, just like. Yep, yep, so take time out, don't keep pushing, otherwise you're going to run out of energy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so you've really just wrecked the rest of my sermon because I was trying to get to that. (laughs) So thanks, Nicole. Let's sing the last song and have communion. Um, I'm not going to ask any more people, we'll just wreck it as well. But but just maybe keep that thought there, keep that thought there. What, it, what, what, what would it be? Maybe you can think about it in the week, maybe you can post it on Facebook or something. Well, how about this? How about you can quantum burst some data 10 years into the future? It's the 29th of December, 2029. Now, now back in 2009, if you'd have said 29th of December, 2019, you'd go, oh, wow, that's so, it feels so far away. 2029 sounds like the beginning of a sci-fi movie or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what would your data burst as a one thing necessary? This is the one thing. What would it be? So Jesus has some words. He actually uses these very words in a part of the Bible, which I'll get you to tell me in a minute because we're all really good Bible scholars. It is Luke 10, but what's the story where he says one thing is necessary? I know it's up there. Come on. I'm not that tired. One thing, these are Jesus' very words, verbatim from the NIV 1984 version. I like the 1984 version. But one thing is necessary. 
but one thing is necessary. So this is Jesus speaking. These are Jesus' words. So these are Jesus' words for you probably for the last decade and going up into 2029 and 2039 and 2049 and so on, whatever amount of years you're given. What is the one thing necessary? Well, do you know the story? Have you picked up on the story of someone already gone there? It's the story of Mary and Martha. The full verse says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion or has chosen the better thing, which will not be taken away from her. So let's turn there. Let's just go to Luke 10, chapter 38. And I've got a little slide up there of turbulent water. And I don't know about you, but this year to me feels like a lot of turbulent water. Turbulent deep water, because at the start of this year, our sermon series was, was the deep water series. And I certainly feel like we've been through some deep water this year with a near-death experience and then a marriage. Two marriages. Yeah, well, exactly, two marriages. Yeah, when's, the, when's your anniversary? In like two weeks. Yeah, two two weeks. weeks, wow. Also, we're not going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> So I'm just going to, I'm going to read this. You can read along. So it's from 38 to 42. It's only a short story. Luke's the only one that records this story. And I think uh, the only other time of, well, we'll, we'll go there in a minute. So it's not, it doesn't appear anywhere else. Verse 38 from Luke 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she sat and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's teaching and listened, who sat at the Lord's teaching, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So if you look through the rest of the scriptures, particularly in John, you'll see the house of Mary, Martha and Lazarus was a favourite place of the Lord Jesus to retire to and to visit to. So he knew these people very well. And later on, you'll see in John, when we go there, that it specifically says Jesus loved Martha, her sister Mary and Lazarus. This was a special place for Jesus. It was a place called Bethany, which was only about, well, Bethany, uh, was only about two or three miles from Jerusalem. So Mary was distracted in verse 40 with much serving. And she went up to him, up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Or in the NIV, 984, I think it's chosen the better thing chosen the one thing so Luke 10 42 but one thing is necessary one thing is necessary and it is a much better translation I went and looked at all the different translations looked at the commentaries it's a much better translation to say Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her but one thing is necessary so what is what's the one thing then <laughs> what is it because it's like Jesus is there and by the way this is not just a this is not just a sermon for busy women. Like, if you're a bloke and you're reading this, and you go, oh, I can switch off now because this is just about women. You know what they're like. They're always worried about keeping the house clean and people coming over, they want to cook. Why don't, why don't we just get Maccas or why don't we just get pizza? This is a great sermon. Listen in, Nicole. Listen in, Luke. Um, listen in. Oh, Luke, sorry. <laughs> listen in, Camille. She'd give me a frown. Kerry, just listen in. No, no, no. <laughs> this, is, if, this is absolutely a story for everybody about the one thing. Because if you're a bloke and you've suffered from deadline anxiety and you've worried about all the things that you have to do and you're worrying, wondering what the one thing is, this is absolutely for you. This is absolutely for all of us. But what is it? What, what is it? In the, in the, I'm talking about in the word. I'm not being metaphorical. What, what's the one thing? When Jesus says one thing is necessary, 
and, and, and Mary has chosen the good portion, what is it? What do you reckon it is? Oh, man, I can, just shut, I can just shut the books, just go home, spending time with Jesus, yeah, just... But what does that actually mean? Because there's still stuff that has to be done, because so, so re, rewrite that story, Martha's now sitting there as well and spending time with Jesus, and, I don't know, the roast lamb's just going, just, it's just cooking off in the, in the kitchen, the smoke and stuff pouring out. Well, let's just spend time with Jesus. Because I know most of us are a bit like Martha, aren't we? Even if I'm trying to be a male Martha, whatever that means. Like, I know there's things that have to be done. You can't just leave those things. They have to be done. So when we talk about being with Jesus, what does that actually mean? I think the ESV kind of gives a bit of a clue. And it says here in verse 41 again, the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. So whenever you see the name repeated twice, there's a certain deep intensity of care. So it's like, Martha, Martha. Like it's, it's a, it's a deep-seated emotion. It's not just, hey, Martha, I'm going to tell you something. It's actually a deeper level of like, care for you. And, and some viable versions have even gone, Martha, beloved Martha. So it's like the Lord looks at her, and some people have taken this as a rebuke, but it's actually a caring thing. It's like, I can see that you're stressed. I can see your anxiety. I can see your troubled heart. And it's Martha, beloved Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, let's just think as a church, over the last 10 years since 2009, have you been anxious and troubled about many things? No. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. If you were to sit here and we were suddenly able to like catalogue on the screen person by person, all the anxious and troubled thoughts, it would just be a stream of information. Like, come on, even this morning, you thought you were going to make the traffic light, you didn't quite make it, you were like, oh, anxious and troubled maybe? No, that was me, sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking, why well, be anxious and troubled about a silly traffic light? Okay, I'll be another couple of minutes late, big deal. But maybe it was the kids. Maybe it was whether to come to church or not. There's already been some anxieties and troubles, hasn't there? The church didn't open. Poor old Luke got here. Many didn't even know that. The doors busted. Couldn't get in. We had to ring Nerily, who looks after us, and she's in Melbourne, and she's got the flu. And, you know, some people have been really crook, and you've been crook. So even in the last day or two, there's been many anxieties and troubles. So this, this, this statement of the Lord, Martha, beloved Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This is a statement of compassion. This is a statement, I, I know what your life is like here. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But then he says one thing is necessary. And what is that one thing? Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So there's nothing wrong with work. There's nothing wrong with hospitality. We're actually commanded to do those things. In Eden, we're told, we're told to work in the garden. So work's a good thing when it's done properly and for the Lord. And then we're also told that... Um, we're to be hosp- uh, hospitable, we're to open up our homes, which means cooking, <laughs> means preparing. These are, these are noble things, and Jesus never said, he never rebukes her for that. He says there's a better thing, though. And what this is really about is recognising the time, recognising the moment, and going, right now, I can be anxious and troubled about this till the cows come home. I can be anxious and troubled about this for the rest of my life. But right now, there's a moment with Jesus. Stay a while. Stay a while. Martha, just stay a while. Come out of the kitchen. Come out of your anxieties and troubles. Sit here and just stay a while. Just leave that. 
You remember, remember I'm the one who fed 5,000 people, right? <laughs> so if I want you to stay a while, just stay a while. It'll be okay. Martha, beloved Martha, stay a while. Just stay a while with me. It's what Mary's doing right now. Now, everyone always looks at Mary and goes, ah, oh, she's so cool and wonderful and we all should be like Mary. We're about to go to, this is really a tale of two Marthas. We're about to go to a second Martha and a second Mary, a second story about Martha and Mary. So Mary in this moment, though, has rightly recognised that this is a moment to sit. So she's not being lazy. <laughs> she's recognised in this moment that this is a moment to stay a while. And I'm just wondering, over the last 10 years, and going into the next 10 years, whether we've recognised those moments where God says, stay a while. Just stay a while. Stop what you're doing and just stay a while. You know, beloved, insert name here, just stay a while. Now this good portion, which is a much better translation, more accurate translation, is a reference back to many places in the, in the Old Testament or the First Testament, which is verses like this, Psalm 73. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 119. You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious according to your promise. So if you want to stay a while, this is an active choice that you must make. This is an active seeking. It's actually paradoxical because you stop chasing after all the other things that's how you seek God you stop chasing after all the other things and you stay a while you ask that he become your portion like Psalm 142 I cry to you O Lord I say you are my refuge my portion in the land of the living as we look out at the country which is burning and we see more and more signs of climate change and we see more and more signs of economic collapse potentially these are the most profound words I can give you because Christians throughout history have faced economic collapse, watched empires burn, have been through in intense persecution, have faced death, and yet have found that God is their portion. They've stayed a while. They've learnt what that actually means in the morning, in the moment, and in the madness. In the madness of economic collapse, in the madness of empires coming and going, in the madness of human brutality, in the madness of just day-to-day -day anxieties and troubles, they have learnt to make God their portion. And I really pray and I really hope that that will be true for me when the moment comes and true for my family and true for my church family. Here's one from Lamentations. Lamentations was after the collapse of Jerusalem, probably by the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Now, Jeremiah was a big whinger and complainer and he would often complain to God. And I'm so glad he did because we can do that with God when it's genuine God listens because he loves us and then he says this is what Jeremiah says but your compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness we don't often read the next verse which says I say to myself the Lord is my portion therefore I'll wait for him so Jeremiah is literally looking at the ruins of his city he's literally there seeing the death and destruction beloved people dead and he goes you're my portion can you uh, so this isn't just about the anxieties and troubles of cooking or hospitality. This is about the big scale anxieties and troubles that God will be our portion, your better portion. There are many other things that you can do that are noble and good, but the best thing that you can do in the morning, in the moment, and in the madness is stay a while with God. Make him your portion.
So what is the one thing? It's just staying a while with God. We see the picture of Mary. She's just staying a while. It's a beautiful picture that you can easily conjure up in your head. There's like all these people coming and going. There's a busyness. There's anxieties. There's troubles. And there's Mary just with her Lord in the moment, in the madness. Maybe even in the morning. I'll talk about in the morning in a minute. It reminds me of John 15, verse 4, which we had before. Abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. This is available to you right now. This is available to you if there's economic collapse. This is available to you if your house price drops to nothing. If you no longer have a job. If you're not even sure where the next meal is going to come from. Abide in me. I mean, how many anxieties and troubles have you had over the last 10 years? And Jesus is saying, abide in me. Just stay a while. So Alan Fisk is a psychological anthropologist, I had to write that down, and a distinguished professor, and he just wrote a book called Karma Muta. Sounds a bit rude, but it's not. It's K-A-M-A-M-U-T-A. It's from Sanskrit. So it's basically the emotion that moves. So psychologists are discovering more and more that we think we've named all our emotions, and we actually haven't. There's a number of emotions that are quite... um. all good that's a good good break good pause a few sleepy heads there oh I've got a bit scared um I'm so glad you guys are here <laughs> It's not the worst that's happening in our church during preaching. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad she's all right. Anyway, Bethany, you're the, you're the person of the moment because this town's named after you. So, um, Well, you're named after the town. So where was I? Oh, yeah, the karma muta. So K-A-M-A-M-U-T-A. And his book is called Discovering the Connecting Emotion. And this is, I'll just read a quote. You probably can't name one of life's most wonderful emotions. In fact, even psychologists have only recently begun to study it. It's hiding in plain sight. Without realising what you're feeling, you've probably experienced this same emotion in diverse situations, such as when you're reunited with a family or others that you love, in worship, at a wedding, when you first held your newborn baby, when your team won a championship, or when a kitten climbed into your lap, licked your hand and curled up and fell asleep there. So it's sort of like this fuzzy kind of feeling. It's like a wonderful, warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. You might have cried tears of joy or you were choked up with happiness. You might have even got goosebumps or chills of delight. You felt buoyant that you're almost floating. Perhaps you put your hand on your heart and you said, oh. If you had these sensations, you were probably feeling this mysterious emotion, this emotion of connectedness. Next, you probably wanted to hug everybody (laughs) or call your grandparents to tell them how much you love them. And so he says here, we coined a scientific name for it, karma mutant, borrowed from the ancient Sanskrit, which means moved by love. And so I imagine very easily that Mary in that moment of staying a while was experiencing that connectedness with Jesus. And I think sometimes in worship times we experience it here. Sometimes in worship times in the car, you're listening to some music or not listening to music and you feel this connectedness with God. I believe it's a powerful connectedness, not just with each other, but with God. And so this one thing, this connectedness to Jesus, the Bible calls it the abiding, 
the oneness, the fellowship with your God, this, this believing into Jesus. So not, not just believing in Jesus, but believing into Jesus. Just so important for, for the next decade. And what does this believing into Jesus mean? Well, we're up to the second Martha in the tale of two Marthas. So let's just turn to John 11. One of my favorite stories, it's the story of Lazarus. And I'm just going to read through it because this is the second Martha in our tale of two Marthas. And it's quite a different tale, really, about Martha and Mary. And I just want you to keep in the back of your mind this idea of believing into Jesus, not just believing in Jesus. Now, a certain man was ill from verse 1, Lazarus of Bethany. There you go, Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And you can read a backstory here later on in your own time. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Now, just, just mark this in the back of your minds. Just highlight this. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So let's just think about glory for a moment, that connectedness. When you feel so connected to Jesus, you suddenly see who he really is. You feel him reach out and hug you in a sense. That's true glory. And you realize that he's the God of the universe, the sovereign God, and yet he stoops low to hug you. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Like I said, he went there quite frequently is what we can see alluded to in the scriptures. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill in verse 6, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Now, I'm not going to get into why he stayed two days longer. You can go back to our John series and have a look at that. I don't plan to spend too much time in this story. I really want to concentrate on Martha, but it's a wonderful story just to focus on in the next few weeks and think about and to stay a while, stay a while with The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you were going there again. Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. There's a little prequel to the next two sermons, which will lead into our circles ministry for 2020, which will be unhide the light. Unhide the light. Unhide the light. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that it was not... I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Good old Thomas. Again, you can spend some time with Thomas in the future yourself. So this illness will not end in death. Lazarus has died. Now just go to that moment for a moment. That's all that we know. Lazarus has died and yet Jesus has said, this illness will not end in death. Verse 14 and verse 4. Now, critics of the Bible often say there's contradictions in the Bible. (laughs) And I go, I know, it's cool, isn't it? (laughs) Three or one. It's a contradiction. Man or God. Contradiction. Sovereign but personal contradiction. 
everywhere, but somewhere, personal, with you, contradiction. Contradictions everywhere through the Bible. Contradictions when you're dealing with a 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 dimensional being called God. This illness will not end in death, but Lazarus has died. Now just think for a moment, because each of you, God is saying to you, this illness, whatever it is that pushes the, lung, the, the air out of your lungs for the last time, this, this illness, this accident, this long-term disease, just old age, the failure of your organs, Jesus is saying to you, this is not going to end in death, Ben. But then you're going to die, <laughs> unless the Lord returns. Same with me, same with all of you. I'm, we're not promised the next decade, are we? We're not even promised the next day, are we? We're promised that God will be with us through death, but he's actually saying to us in that moment, and when that moment comes, and he said to you, you will not die, but then you die, I want you to remember the story of Lazarus, and I want you to remember those few days where the disciples are going, this guy's dead, Mary's saying he's dead, Martha's saying he's dead, and yet Jesus said this illness will not end in death. I really want you to remember that for all the 2020s and the 2030s and the 2040s until your time comes. Just remember that story. Because in that moment, they all thought, what is he on about? How can this be true? And in that moment, this really encapsulates all your anxieties and your troubles, doesn't it? Because if you can't trust Jesus at his word, then how can you trust him when he says, you will live forever if you are connected to me, if you are abiding in me? This death, even though your, your corpse is going to rot in the grave, I'm going to restore you one day. If, if you can't trust him at his word, that's where the anxieties and the troubles come from. The anxieties and the troubles come when, when we're expecting one thing and something else happens, or we've planned one thing and something else happens. We're not in that moment abiding with the Lord Jesus. We're not in that moment making him our portion. And you so need to make him your portion. You so need to consciously in 2020, in the morning, in the moment, in the madness of suffering, of anxieties, of troubles, you need to make him your portion. And why not start with just a simple verse that you will preach to yourself every day. Psalm 73, verse 26. My strength and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Why not make that a verse that you preach to yourselves? And I know that we're on a bit of a journey here. We don't suddenly get the God's clicking his fingers and we're suddenly free of anxiety and trouble. But I truly believe that he is calling us to seek him, to make him our portion. This illness will not end in death. Lazarus has died. And we know the rest of the story. Let's read it, hey? Martha, so this is the second Martha now in verse 17. Um, now, when Jesus, in verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. Now, think about the anxiety and the troubles in this moment with that closed-off tomb and Lazarus dead, and yet Jesus still saying, this illness will not end in death. So Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. This is a very different Martha, isn't it? Martha could have began to make preparations for Jesus' stay. She could have began to make preparations for all the disciples that were coming along. She'd sent word to them. She knew they were coming. They were going to be late. The old Martha would have gone, we need to start cooking, Mary. We need to start getting... Instead, as soon as she hears Jesus on his way, she's, she's out that door. She's off probably running 
And when she gets there in verse 21 to Jesus, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask for, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection and on the last day. You know, sometimes we like to be really theological. And so Martha in this moment is just giving back to Jesus what she already would have heard from his teaching. Just quoting a good doctrinal truth. He'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And we should be very careful that we don't shut ourselves off from what Jesus might be about to do right now. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, actually, there's a, I think it's like a Greek preposition here. It's actually more accurately rendered. Whoever believes into me. So whoever believes in such a way that they begin to abide with me, unify themselves with me, connect with me in a karma muta. Whoever believes into me, though they die, yet shall they live. And anyone who lives and believes in me, into me, shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? Do you believe it in this connected way? Because this is what God wants for you. Because when troubles come, and they will come, Jesus has said, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How has he overcome it? He's overcome it by, by promising to be with you, and later on by restoring all things. But this is what you need for the next decade. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, when Jesus saw her trouble, when Jesus saw her anxiety, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. So Jesus felt this very deeply. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we get this famous verse, Jesus wept. So Jesus is crying in the front of the tomb. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened, the, could not he who have opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour, for he has been dead for four days. So I love Martha. She's just always very practical. It's like, you're going to stink. <laughs> um, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Like sometimes our presumptions and our worldview is so powerful that it really just stops us from seeing what Jesus completely sees as expected. Hey, I'm the son of God, I can raise the dead. Jesus said to her, did not I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Let's do it together. Ready? Lazarus, come out. Let's do it again. Lazarus, come out. Let's do it again. Lazarus, come out. Let's see, now you're awake. The man who had died came out, 
His hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. It's like a yeah, it is super creepy. Who knows what's gonna what you're gonna see? You see a half decomposed dude, I don't know. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Now, we know later on, you'll keep reading, there's a little meal that happens, and Lazarus is just there eating with everyone. So we know he's not a zombie. He's perfectly restored, all that flesh that had already started a deacon, but it already restored. So we know that one day Jesus will say to you in your grave, unbind Luke and let him go. Unbind Nicole and let her go. Unbind Adrian, Rick, Nadine, all of you people that are connected to Jesus. So now all of a sudden, that one thought, that one truth just pierces our anxieties and our troubles, or it should. If we have made Jesus our portion, then you'll be unbound and let go. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary for 2020 and onwards. One thing, the good portion, the better portion. And for me, practically, this has to look like something day to day. For me, it looks like staying a while. So how do we, how do we summarise this? How do we summarise to finish off the, the one thing, the connectedness to Jesus, the abiding, the oneness, the fellowship, the better portion, the believing into Jesus? You, 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 you now choose. But I think this has to look like something for us. Like too many of us are rushing from one website to another, one app to another, one screen to another. Too many of us are too easily binge-watching Netflix. Too, too many of us are too busy. Too many of us are hearing the words, and I know this would be in your heart right now, the Lord is saying to you, stay a while. So stay a while. Like when was the last time you actually stayed a while with him in the morning? Remember when you were at youth group and everyone was always telling you about those devotionals that you should do and now you just find it really hard to do? I mean, what if you were in those moments rather than just a perfunctory, you know, just kind of a ritualistic reading a verse, praying, even singing a song. What if you were sitting down, you were literally going, Lord, I want to feel that connectedness with you this morning. And you weren't going to give up. You're going to do what Jesus says after the very story of Mary and Martha, which is to ask and to keep on asking, to seek and to keep on seeking, to knock and to keep. You, you would just go, right, in the mornings from now on, there is half an hour. There is half an hour where I'll stay a while. And if you think about what's going on around in the world with us, this is going to shape and rechange your spirituality. It's going to draw you into a closer connectedness with Jesus. If Jesus says to us, abide in me, remember our memory verse? Abide in me. He's telling you that as a commandment. He's telling you to choose. He's telling you that this is going to be an issue for you. This is, there's going to be a tendency not to abide. There's going to be a tendency not to be connected. There's going to be a tendency to fall away. So I really believe in the mornings, in the best part of your day, when you first awake, you say, for 30 minutes, I want to stay a while with you in the morning. I want to stay a while with you in the morning. And then as the day goes on and the moments come where you begin to get angry or you begin to feel out of control or you begin to feel the anxieties and the troubles, what if you were to stay a while in the moment? So you were just to literally to stop and just pray, maybe even close your eyes momentarily, not if you're driving, keep them open. And you're just going, Lord, you are my strength and my portion. You are my strength and my portion. And then when the madness happens, when there's real intense troubles and anxieties and suffering and trials, it's the valley of the shadow of death, it's the madness of this world that's under this cloud. What if in that moment you were to pray and you were to have this verse, Psalm 73, verse 26, 
my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And you're just to pray that. Or another one, when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you, in God, whose word I pray, in God I trust, I'll not be afraid. I have many of these in my head. Because when you go through a really tough time, that becomes crystal clear that that is where you find your strength. That is where you find your connectedness. That is where you find your God. And so again, I really want to say to you in this next decade, and if I could go back in time and talk to a younger agent, I'd be saying, stay a while. I've found that when I have stayed a while in the mornings, in the moments, in the madness, that is when we are truly walking by the Spirit. That's what connects us to Him. That's our, that's our conscious choice. That's what you get to do. You get to pray, to pray in the Spirit at all times. In Ephesians, it tells us just to stay a while. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. One thing is necessary in the next 10 years and for the rest of your life. It's to abide. It's to be connected. It's to be one. It's to make God your first portion. Yep, there's all these other things that are important, but this is the most important. So if I could look in on your days, I'm not going to do that. It would be creepy. If I could look in on your days, will, and if your kids are looking or your family's looking, will they see that, hey, to dad, to mum, to uncle, aunt, brother, sister, whatever, this is important. I can see it by what they're doing. Not just by this. And I just get, I've just got more and more concerned over the last two or three years because you can now binge watch a whole streaming series of something you really like and you'll get to the end and it'll just auto-rotate into the next one and you're going, yeah, I want to see what's happened. And before you know it, five, six, seven hours can go by. Or you can be on your phone just flicking mindless. I'm so close to scrubbing all my social media accounts. I'm so close. Or you can just be so caught up in the day-to-day troubles. You know, for those that aren't into the screen as much. Just a, just a day-to-day stuff. And you're not ever seen, like Mary, just staying a while. Just stay a while. And I'll, I'm saying stay a while a lot because this is what I feel like God gave me. And it's been amazing over the last few weeks. It's been, I've been just about, oh, let's go and check on this. or check on this. No, just stay a while. So I sit and I stay a while. It's handy to have a little Bible verse or prayer or whatever. But this is what I really want for you in the next decade. This is what I hope will encourage you. Because, you know, honestly, if you feel this karma muta, this, this connectedness to God, it's awesome. It's like nothing you've ever felt. And I really want you to have that more and more. Even when the whole world's going cray-cray around you, you're just like, you're connected to God. You have Him as your portion and your strength. So... What I encourage you to do over the next few weeks is look up all the times God is our strength, our portion, our refuge. Find some verses. I gave you some that you might want to memorize. Come up with a plan for 2020 about staying a while in the morning. Work out how you're going to remind yourself in the moment and in the madness of each day of how you're going to stay a while. What's that going to look like? Ask God to help you with that. And I'll finish off with this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, connected with Christ, abiding in Christ, onenessing with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So Paul's saying, yeah, have the same love as each other, but have the same love as Paul himself had for God. This compassion... One in spirit, purpose. 
that's the one thing I want for you, that God will be your portion and your purpose. Father, thank you for your word today. We now get the opportunity to participate in communion, which is actually just another word for onenessing with you through this meal where we remember your body broken for us, your blood spilt for us. And Lord, we just literally now are going to stay a while with you. We're going to stay a while with you as we touch the bread and taste it, as we feel the drink go down our throats. We're going to stay a while and be reminded that you are our sustenance. You are our life. That we don't just live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes out of your mouth. And your word today has promised life to us. It's also calling and compelling us away from lesser things to better things to the best portion of all, which is you. So help us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.